Grace to you and peace from God, the creator, and from Jesus Christ, our teacher and redeemer, and from the Holy Spirit who binds us together in Christian worship. I want to welcome everyone to worship this morning, whether you are here in person, there in person, or joining us online. We are so glad to have you, you have chosen to worship with us today. We begin our worship by lighting the Christ candle. That's okay, I can see. <laughs> Further proof, we are not the congregation of the all together. You're good, Debbie. <laughs> Whenever we do this, we remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew that wherever two or more are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Now, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I would invite you to use the words in the bulletin as a centering prayer to help guide you in this time and space as we listen to the prelude. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship. The mighty one speaks and calls out to the earth. Our God is coming. 
The righteous one gathers the faithful from east and west. We come with thanksgiving as our sacrifice. Come to worship. Let us join our voices together as we sing hymn number 242. who long for you come and cleanse our hearts teach us to do good seek what is just rescue the oppressed and plead for the widow until the flourishing of all life becomes our only offering to you in your holy name we pray amen please be seated My brothers and sisters, remember that God loves us. 
Therefore, by the mercy of God, let us cease to do evil and learn to do good. Let us pray. God of unfailing love, it is often hard to remain faithful. You ask us to share our wealth with those in need, yet we hoard our possessions and guard our wealth. You, you call us, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. Our, And hear us as we confess to you in the silence of our own heart. Friends, through our sin, though our sins are like scarlet, do not be afraid, for God has washed us clean. The Lord takes pleasure in knowing God's power to help us. Rejoice and come in. Through Christ, God's realm has been opened to us. Here and now we enter this realm when we offer signs of love and peace to one another. Greet one another in the name of the Lord. The peace of Christ be with you. Are there any children there? No. No? Okay. Audrey, sorry, Audrey. Audrey's there. (laughs) Audrey, do you need a children's message today or are you going to? Okay. Okay. All right. Let us pray. God, we listen for your word. We strive to understand Christ's teachings. For this is indeed is this indeed is our treasure. May it light our paths and make us ready to take action. Amen. gospel lesson this morning is taken from Luke chapter 12 verses 32 to 40. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. For if he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so... Blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Imagine you probably uh, saw the um, bio on me that was the same one that was used last time I was here. I'm happy to announce that the little cabin I was building in the forest actually did get built. (laughs) To do that. Have you ever received a gift from uh, someone and had no idea what it was or what you were supposed to do with it? <laughs> I wonder if that happens to us when we hear Jesus say, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We're not quite sure what it is. We often don't know what to make of the kingdom or what to do with it. Is Jesus talking about royalty, wealth, palaces, and power? For many of us, those are images that come up when we think about a kingdom. That's what a kingdom often looks like in movies and history books. Is he talking about heaven? Is the kingdom uh, a reward in the next life for being good, having faith, and believing in this life? If so, then this life is nothing more than an installment plan to secure a future place in heaven. Is the kingdom security, safety, and guaranteed outcomes? After all, Jesus prefaces the giving of the kingdom by saying, do not be afraid. I wish that were the kingdom, but security, safety, and guaranteed outcomes have not always been my experience of life. How about you? We pray weekly, if not daily, for the kingdom to come on earth. What are we praying for? What comes to mind when you think or pray for the kingdom? My guess is that most of us think of the kingdom as something to be possessed, a reward from God, a perfect life in which we have everything we want and everything goes our way, an ideal world. But what if it's not? What if the kingdom is not something to be possessed or had, but a different way of being? And here's why I ask that. Right after Jesus says, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, he tells us to sell our possessions and give alms and to make purses that do not wear out. 
He talks about thieves that do not come near and moths that do not destroy. I don't think these are prescriptions or prerequisites for getting the kingdom. Rather, they seem to be descriptions of what kingdom life is like. So let me ask you this. What's the best way to keep a purse from wearing out? Don't put anything in it. What's the best way to keep a thief away? Don't have anything worth stealing. What's the best way to keep moths from destroying? Don't have anything that can be destroyed. So what if the kingdom is a non-possessive life? A life in which we sell our possessions and give alms. A life in which our purses are empty. A life in which there's nothing to steal or destroy. I want us to be careful, though, that we don't literalize this text of Scripture. We don't take it literally. We see Jesus here using a metaphor, calling us into a new way of seeing and living. I'm not suggesting that we all need to be poor, go without, or be lacking. And I don't think Jesus is saying we shouldn't own or have anything. In and of itself, there's nothing virtuous about poverty, lack, or insufficiency. The world does not need more poor people. What the world needs is people who are not possessed by their possessions. People who live a non-possessive life. Kingdom people. Once there was a great spiritual leader of the Sufis named Ibrahim Adam. And he was wont to live in much pomp and slender, surrounded by a large number of servants. Even his tents were pitched with golden spikes. A wandering dervish once happened to pass by his tents and was enormously, enormously surprised at this display of wealth by a Sufi. So he went, begging cup in hand, to Ibrahim and questioned him thus, It is strange that you call yourself a Sufi, and yet you are surrounded by luxury and material wealth of a kind, that even your tents are fixed with golden pegs. Ibrahim welcomed him and bade him to rest a while and asked his servants to feed him well. After some time, he asked a dervish if he would like to go along with him to Mecca. And the dervish, <clears throat> the dervish readily agreed. They both set out on the pilgrimage, the princely Sufi leaving all of his wealth and luxury behind without a thought. They had not walked far when the dervish suddenly remembered that he had left his wooden cup in Ibrahim's tent and wanted to go back to retrieve it. Ibrahim smiled and said, My friend, I left all my wealth behind without the least worry, and yet you are so much attached to that cup with practically no value that you cannot proceed to Mecca without it. The golden pegs, which so much surprised you, were driven into the earth, not into my heart. 
Jesus is offering another vision of life, a kingdom vision. He's calling into question a possessive way of life. The kingdom is not, <clears throat> excuse me, the kingdom is not a different place, a reward, or a thing to be had. It is a different way of being, living, and relating. The kingdom is not a where or a what, but a how. When I live a possessive life, I am more focused on me than we, more passionate about my rights than my responsibilities, and more concerned about being right than doing what is right. I worry about the thief that kills and the moth that destroys. I fear not only having enough, but that I am not enough. I am always striving for more, more money, more stuff, more status, more success, more control, even more of God. Does any of that sound familiar? Resonate with your life? We see it every day in the news. It's what lies behind our conflicts and divisions. And if we are honest, we can see it in our own lives as well. We are possessive people, concerned about keeping what we have and getting what we don't have. We not only possess, but are possessed by what we possess, whether they are things, beliefs, opinions, status, or power. Have you ever felt like you were possessed by your work, your success, your house, or the stuff you own? Do you ever feel like you spend more time and energy creating and maintaining your life than actually living it? Have you ever felt possessed by your position, another's approval, the need to be right, the need to win or be in control? And if so, what did it cost you? What did you lose? Is that how you really want to live? Is that how you want your children or grandchildren to live? Have you ever been concerned about who is moving into your neighborhood? Have you ever become angry and defensive when someone questioned or challenged your religious or political beliefs? Have you ever felt the need to change someone or get them to do it your way? Have you ever needed to have the final word and to be right? And if so, what were you trying to possess? Or maybe the better question is, what was possessing you? We're at our best when we live a non-possessive life. We become more welcoming and hospitable. We forgive more freely. We're more generous with our time, money, and resources. We love extravagantly. We see more clearly our deep connection with and need of others. A non-possessive life deepens our conversations and intimacy. It makes us better parents, spouses, and friends. We handle conflict and differences in better and more productive ways. We open our hearts and minds to other people and new possibilities. We're more creative and less judgmental of ourselves and others. Life is more full and we're more able to freely live. 
That's how I want to live. Most of us probably do. We want to live in the kingdom of life. Fear is probably the greatest in, in impediment to a non-possessive life. Most of us live in fear, consciously or unconsciously, of losing what we have and not getting what we don't have. Maybe we should be more afraid of what we already have, of being owned by our possessions and desires. Maybe that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of a non-possessive life. Another way of stating this non-possessive life in positive terms is living a life of gratitude. Here's a parable about gratitude, living life with an open heart from the tradition of the Desert Fathers, the early Christian monastic community that went out into the wilderness to practice a life of prayer. Abbot Anastasia had a book of very fine parchment which was worth 20 shekels. It contained both Old and New Testaments in full, and Anastasius read from it daily as he meditated. Once a certain monk came to visit him, and seeing the book, made off with it. The next day, when Anastasius went to his scripture reading and found that it was missing, he knew at once that the monk had taken it. Yet he did not send after him for fear that he might add the sin of perjury to that of theft. Now the monk went into the city to sell the book. He wanted 18 shekels for it. The buyer said, give me the book so that I might find out if it is worth that much money. With that, he took the book to the holy Anastasius and said, Father, take a look at this book. And tell me if you think it's worth as much as 18 shekels. Anastasius said, Yes, it is a fine book. And at 18 shekels, it's a bargain. So the buyer went back to the monk and said, Here is your money. I showed the book to Father Anastasius, and he said that it was worth 18 shekels. The monk was stunned. Was that all he said? Did he say nothing else? No, he did not say a word more than that. Well, I have changed my mind, and I don't want to sell the book after all. Then he went back to Anastasius and begged him with many tears to take the book back. But Anastasius said gently, No, brother, keep it. It is a present to you. But the monk said, It is a present to me. But the monk said, If you do not take the book back, I shall have no peace. After that, the monk dwelt with Anastasius for the rest of his life. What is possessing you today? What owns your life? In what ways are you being possessive of things, ideas, and opinions, and opportunities, resources, other people, yourself, God? What would a non-possessive life 
look like for you today. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we affirm what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Let us join in singing hymn number 258. 525. 
please be seated. Jesus said, sell your possessions and give alms. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Honoring God with sacrifice of thanksgiving, we are invited to come into God's court with praise. Let us give our tithes and offerings. Let us pray. Generous God, you offer us unfailing treasure in heaven. In love and and the downtrodden. Use and stretch us that we may do good, seek justice, and We come now to the table of the Lord. Be dressed for action and keep your lamps lit. For the mighty one gathers the faithful to eat the best food of the land in a never-ending feast. Come with gladness and with the assurance of things hoped for. Come with the faith of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob, for the table is ready. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. <coughs> Lift up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
We give you thanks, Lord God, for the blessing of your law and the challenge of your prophets. You have shown favor to your lowly servants and remembered your promise to our ancestors. You have been faithful to your covenant and rescued us from the hands of our enemies. You have revealed your saving purpose to all, a light to the nations for the glory of your people. Therefore, we lift to you our thanks and praise. Holy, 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 holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We give you thanks, Lord God, for the coming of Jesus Christ and the proclamation of his kingdom. Jesus was anointed by your Holy Spirit to bring good news to people who are poor, proclaim re release to people who are captive, restore the sight of those who are blind, grant freedom to those who are oppressed, and announce the year of your favor. Let these words be fulfilled today. We give you thanks for on the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, this is the new cup of the new covenant in my shed blood. So often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you show forth my death until I come to share it with you again in glory. Shed for all of you for the forgiveness of sins, so that whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. We recognize Jesus at this table. In the breaking of the bread, and offer our lives to him with praise. Christ, Christ has died, Christ, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We give you thanks, Lord God, for the gift of the Holy Spirit and the calling of the church. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh and upon the bread and cup we share. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Keep us ever faithful, devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. The breaking of bread and prayers until Christ returns in glory to reign. Amen. And hear us as we pray together the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is and in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <coughs> 
Thanksgiving. O Lord our God, we give thanks for your many gifts offered so freely to the world. We offer you all that we are, heart and soul, mind and strength. Use these gifts and use our lives to share your love with our neighbors, 
showing mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Let us rise in body and remain upright in spirit as we sing our final hymn, number 739.